We all have a story to tell. The longer our lives, the richer our stories. When I look at you, I see a woman of strength, integrity, character. A woman who has seen hardships, struggles, pain, and loss. A woman who has compassion, love, courage, and power. A woman who has succeeded, failed, and learned. A woman who will continue to persevere and thrive. When I look at you, I see a woman who is wise, not withered. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the Wise Not Withered Podcast. All right, let's just dive right in. So, I had some pretty extensive to-do lists for this project. Um, when I when I decide to really jump back into the next phase of the project, I know I'll have even more crazy to-do lists. So, I just wanted to talk about some of them now because it's just it's very. Um, very interesting for me to just look back and see just how many different things were going on all at once. And in addition to this just being a side, a side passion project. So um, this was Monday, um, May 27th. Hmm, I did not write the year. This was probably 2019. So today's to-do list, um... Yeah, oh, I'm just reading that little note I wrote Saturday, June 15th. Getting hard to remember what all I gotta do. It's okay. Use your resources like this. Yeah, so I wrote down, finish walk in the park story, send to Izar and Laura, check emails and reply to people, pay Heba, um, comments for Elizaveta's story, send stories to um, one of my friends at the time, um, do more of Rabia's story, check in on one of the artists, reach out to the new person about the illustrations, check in on another writer with ideas, comb through Cassandra's story, change all the details to fit a different aged character. Yeah, some of the some of them I did change the ages just depending on what I was seeing from the artists um not not the the illustrators but uh, for this character in particular i made her a bit younger just because um just because the the age didn't seem to fit the maturity level of of the the writer so we made um her a, a little bit younger but still still older than 40 which was the requirement then, um, let's see, read through another character story again, change the fonts. Um, oh yeah, that was interesting. Changing the fonts so that there were two different, basically like two different stories going on at once. Check in on one of the other writers, edit one of the stories, check in on another writer, check in on another writer. I'm, I'm kind of, I had said some of their names before, but, um, now I'm just kind of leaving it anonymous just to keep it more... Um, anonymous. So find an illustrator for this person, check in on a different writer, offer to discuss specific illustration ideas, 
check in on this other writer and then another one and encourage another writer, update this story, clean it up to make it more like a formal script, pay this um, writer. Yeah, and there, there are still a few more pages of my to-do list. So this was very interesting. <laughs> I also wrote, care for thyself, please. Yeah, so lots and lots of stuff to do when when you have this kind of giant project with so many different moving parts. Um, I do kind of feel like maybe I dove too far too fast into this project. Um, I mean, I really had no blueprint for how to even approach this type of giant project, so I am trying to be very patient with myself and forgiving and just realizing that it may take years. I mean, it already has and it can will continue to take years to complete. Um, so let's see. Yeah, let me just go on to the next thing. So number two, my number two point was what season two might have been. So one of my, oh my gosh, maybe you hear my dog barking. Um, but so what I wanted it to be at first was to focus on the adventures that women still have into middle age and beyond. So I had started to search for um, various kinds of older women on Instagram doing different things. There was some someone who was a, a model. There was someone that was an activist. Um, I exchanged a lot of messages with them, but we never actually got to do an interview. Um, so these were some of the things that I wanted to ask. So a portion can be about their journey thus far and what they've learned, but I also wanted to focus, kind of like with the stories, focus on what their life is like now. So what do you dedicate most of your time and energy toward? What do you do to recharge after a long, stressful day? When do you feel the most powerful and alive? How do you see yourself nowadays? And how has your own self-image changed and or remained the same throughout your life? Um, yeah, so that's that, that was some of my ideas for the second season. But the second season turned out to be um, my character showcase, which I'm actually really glad I did that. It also, um, it helped me to um, really solidify each character and it was also a good, um, kind of like a deadline for people that hadn't finished their things yet. So um, I'm, I might still do those kinds of interviews at some point, but for now my main priority is to finish uh, recruiting the remaining writers and illustrators, I think there are like four or five left of the first round, the first half of the 50 of the writers and illustrators, because then the other 50 will be the voice actors and composers. So I haven't even started recruiting for that yet. Um, and I think I'll take a different approach with that. I think, <sighs> like, a part of me wants to try to make it like a big group thing again and have people interacting and um, posting updates. But I think what I'll do instead is actually focus on one character at a time and one story at a time. Just also because I'll be going to grad school, um, I'll still be teaching also. And 
I mean, I just, I don't want to overwhelm myself with too many things and there really is no rush. So I still, I still am going to be working on this project like I have been. Um, but yeah, I think I'll just change my approach a little bit just to make it a bit more manageable for myself. So my third point here, this one is kind of interesting. Um, I feel like I say that a lot. It's kind of interesting. But yeah, this one is definitely more of a raw and vulnerable thing to reveal um, for anyone that has listened to my very first podcast episodes from, yeah, I think it was three years ago at this point, three or four years ago, 2018. I think 2018 is when I got the idea. And then 2019 is when I was actually being more public about it and actually posting stuff and recording. So if you listen to those first few episodes, especially the interviews, um, uh, I'm not sure if anyone else can tell. I mean, probably, but when I, when I'm talking to people, especially about the heavier things, I tended and still sometimes do tend to kind of cower into this, um, I'm not sure how to describe it. Just, uh, just a voice that's a little smaller, um, definitely a bit more high pitched and just kind of dancing around a topic and, and kind of trying to hide. So it's something that I've noticed in my, um, in my, the, the work that I do, the audio work that I do. And sometimes even when I'm teaching, I'll notice myself when I'm trying to say something a bit more sincere, I tend to cower behind this kind of, uh, I don't know what to call it, like a facade, like I'm doing it right now at a show, just kind of hiding behind a lighter tone so I don't sound as serious. I don't know. It's, it's something that I've I've talked about with my life coach. I've talked about with some of my friends. It's just this, this, I guess it's a defensive mechanism. Uh, what I wrote here was my own voice and my growth hiding behind insincerity, something I've been self-conscious of for a long time. So yeah, I'm just trying to own my voice more. And especially when I am trying to say something sincere, especially to other people, I am trying to just own the thing that I'm saying because I think what happens is that I'm I'm getting too caught up in the mind stories that I'm telling myself and about what I think the other person will think. So it's almost like I'm afraid that they're not going to think I'm being sincere, so I sabotage myself and make myself sound insincere so that there's no question of if I'm being sincere or not because I don't even sound sincere. It's kind of a strange thing. Maybe someone can relate. But yeah, it's something that I am trying to get out of. I think I, I've i been... I don't want to say better about it. It's not good or bad, but it's. I think I have grown out of it a little more. Uh, especially with this podcast, but sometimes I do still feel myself cower into that, into that little voice, <laughs> like around, um, different people and in certain situations. So that's just something that I'm working on. Um, 
Okay, and so another thing, this is, this one is pretty cool. So I have this big old character book um, with ideas and the very first few pages I did a lot of just journaling about my ideas in general about the project and this is also something that I do that when I am listening to a particularly long podcast, well, I don't know, I guess I would consider long to be at like 40 minutes to an hour, but, um, you know, anywhere, anything that's longer than 20 minutes, something that I'll do is I'll look at the, the time that's going by and, you know, when it gets to 20 minutes and however many seconds, I look at that as though it's a year. So it's like the year 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, and it keeps going. And I guess maybe I, I kind of don't pay attention to the podcast anymore. And I start to think about, oh, and it's getting closer and closer to the year that it, that it is now. And now it's going past the year. And oh, wow, 2030. What What's it going to be like then? And 2050. And oh, 2100. I probably won't be here anymore. You know, that kind of thing. So um, this is... Uh, uh, thing that I wanted to read and also just put into the podcast because I think it's kind of cool. It's a little meditative and introspective and so here we go. Envision yourself. Think of your age. See the number. See it for what it is. A number. The number of times the earth has revolved around the sun since your life began. Now picture where you are in your life and write down five words or pictures or phrases. Five things that describe you right now. And now you will be shown, or you will hear, 100 numbers representing 100 years of age. When each number goes by, either imagine where you were in your life at that age, or imagine what your life might look like when you reach that age. What was your life like, and what might your life be like? Let go of any judgment. Remember that your life is now. What happened is done. What is yet to come has not happened and may not happen. You have here. You have now. Here are the numbers. Feel free to pause at any moment to reflect more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 
44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 100. exercise in visualizing yourself at different ages. I know for me, um, I'm 30 now, so I can still somewhat envision myself in my 40s, sometimes in my 50s, but usually into my 60s and beyond, it's really hard to envision. So if you got a little lost or foggy-brained when that happened, don't worry, it happened to me too. So the last thing I wanted to talk about today is one of the very first stories that was showcased when I actually didn't read an excerpt because I was still feeling very protective of these stories and didn't really want to share it, um, I guess for fear of copyright or I don't know, something. So um, I've gotten over that since, and I think it's important to share these stories. So I wanted to revisit Land of Lost Grievers, um, by Noor Pinna and myself with illustrations by Monica Mayus. I hope I'm saying that right. So um, this is the magical librarian story. The main character's name is Basira. So I'm going to end this episode with an excerpt from Land of Lost Grievers. Her regular customers saw the change in her over the years. At age 70, Basira tried to brighten up her appearance by wearing colorful shalwar kameez, but the fact couldn't be hidden. She had grown jaded and resentful, 
and everyone around her noticed it. The excessively friendly young man, Ahmed, who managed the library with her, the women her age who bothered her while she was busy shelving books, whining about not knowing what novel to pick up next, her older brother, Afshad, who never called anymore. Basir became bitter about books as well. Where they once held adventures and fairy tales, she now saw them as a childish escape. The enthusiasm shown by young girls and boys visiting her library was often met with a grumble, as Basira inwardly thought people needed to live in the real world, not some dreamland. Day in and day out, her routine never strayed too far from the boundaries she created for herself. From the outside, it was a self-made prison, but for Basira, it provided certainty and comfort. No surprises, nothing unexpected. She woke up every morning, sipping on chai and cooking scrambled eggs as the sun rose. After pinning her hair back, she draped her shawl around her head and walked to the library where she begrudgingly did her work, hardly speaking to anyone. She ate her chicken curry with naan outside on a bench, absorbed in the latest issue of Technology Times. Upon closing the library and arriving home, Basira knelt beside her bedside, praying and crying in her loneliness and grief to God, miserably placing a frail hand on the photo of herself with her husband and son at his college graduation ten years prior. She couldn't understand why she was spared all those years ago. And here's a prayer. In the name of Allah, the all-merciful, the all-compassionate, O Allah, O my protector, O Allah, my tribulation is tremendous. My God and my Lord, have I any but you from whom to ask removal of my affliction in regard for my affairs, and be gracious to me in all that I do. She turned out the light and went to bed. Basira was shelving books back in order on the rickety shelves, muttering to herself, this place needs an update, we can't keep hanging on this way. She never bothered to open any books anymore. She had lost that joy as soon as she lost her son. Stories of magical creatures and fantasy lands only brought back painful memories of when her boy was little, parading around their home, pretending to be a sultan with a blanket wrapped around his shoulders like a heroic cape. As her typical morning started, Basira's curiosity was unusually piqued as she placed a book next to one that she did not recognize. She squinted at the dusty cover, then reached out to take it off the shelf. As she gripped the book's spine, a current of electricity surged down her own. She gasped, throwing her hands up. The book fell to the floor and fluttered open, revealing completely blank pages. No title. No author. Nothing written at all. As strange as it seemed, Basira felt as if the book was calling her name. She decided to take it home with her after work. Later that night, she placed the book by her bedside and once again knelt by the photo of her family. She began reciting her prayers as usual, when suddenly the mysterious book opened on its own. Before she could react, a beam of light blasted from the pages, blinding her and obscuring everything in sight. Shaken and confused, Basira looked around, seeing nothing but pitch-black darkness. Slowly, colors and shapes began to materialize around her. Basira found herself kneeling not by her bedside anymore, but in the middle of a dusty gravel path, brilliant blue sky above her, sun shining, and small trees and shrubs sparsely lining the way. Travelers lost and travelers found, planting seeds into the ground, collecting 
and sharing, most of all caring, love will be blooming all around. Basira looked all around her, wondering where the familiar song was coming from. The last time she had heard it was when her mother sang to her before bedtime, over 60 years ago. Tears formed at the wrinkled corners of her eyes from the mere memory. A young girl, no older than ten, bounced jubilantly toward Basira, her soft brown wavy hair catching the sunlight and sparkling like that of a fairy. The young child stopped with a tiny grunt, looking down at her own feet, then sideways at the old woman quizzically. "'How are you doing?' she sang invitingly to Basira. "'Do you need help?' hope you enjoyed that excerpt from Land of Lost Grievers. This has been episode six of season three of the Wise Not Withered podcast. See you next month. Thanks for listening.